Swag can be used really intelligently. I think it can be used so well for events as, as we've seen. It can be great for your customer marketing. It can be great for your employees and, and, and your people, your partners. There's, there's a lot of places for Swag. The thing I see where, where it's done badly is where actually you give Swag to an SDR, for example, to do outreach and it's got your logo all over it. And it doesn't really mean that much to the prospect, but if you use it wisely and in the right senses, like the ones I just described, it can be really powerful. Great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hi, everyone. What's going on in this big, wide world of events? My name is Felisa, and welcome to this week's host takeover of the episode of Great Events. So today we're going to have a fun one, I think. Who doesn't love a bit of gifting? I'd like to introduce to everyone Alex Ollie, who is the co-founder and chief revenue officer at ReachDesk. Alex, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited about this one. So before we get started on the topic, Alex, why don't you give our listeners 30 seconds of your background, what you did before and what you do now at ReachDesk? Sure. Uh, I'll briefly mention I was a lawyer for a couple of years, but I'm not anymore, so I'm glad to be out on that. But I've, I've spent the past over a decade working in SaaS. So I joined my first uh, startup, let's say, back in 2010. I've mainly been in, in SaaS there ever since. Uh, but previously, before ReachDesk, actually, I've been running uh, account-based marketing campaigns alongside sales. It's actually a Scandinavian company called Agilic. I think it's quite important to mention because this is kind of where ReachDesk started. We actually, we weren't getting the responses, you know, the pipeline pacing that we wanted. And uh, I remember, I remember going to our, my CRO and the CEO and saying, I think we should be using gifting and like direct mail in our like outreach. And they, I think it was like this minute silence. And then they just burst out and laugh, laughing at me. <laughs> like, what are you on about? Anyway, we, we tried it and it worked really, really well. We used it for BDR outreach. We used it. At, it was really powerful for events, which I'm sure we'll speak about today. How do we get more people to attend events, virtual events, follow-ups after events? We basically used it in everything, but the problem was really, uh, <laughs> kind of killed us every time we tried to do it. People packing boxes and getting wet, queuing up in post office queues and we couldn't track the ROI and everything. So, uh, led to reach desk and that was nearly five years ago now. So that's what I've been doing ever since. Brilliant. Well, you started up your business. It sounds in a very similar way to our CEO, who was a lawyer, had an issue. Um, he was, you know, running events for his law firm, found it really taxing, you know, spreadsheets, manual processes. And he just found a better way to do things. So it sounds like you've had a really similar start to see then where you've seen a problem and you've got in to tackle it. So I think that's why we work so well together. And I'll just tell our listeners out there, we do actually work with ReachDesk to do our gifting, which has been a real godsend for our marketing teams and our sales teams who have pretty much got gifting at their fingertips now. So it's a little bit different from what we were doing before. But I came from the day, similar to what you just explained, of you know packing those boxes, of direct marketing campaigns. I think I'd sent people everything from padlocks that they could use on their gym lockers to I sent some people a shoe once and I said, if you come and meet with us, I'll give you the other shoe. And you oh, try us on love that. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of marketing for you. But do you think that people are still really up for and open to gifting or are you getting, you know, you're like you just explained, I get the laugh, you know, that, oh God, we're going to do gifting. Where do you think that is now with people? Are they, is it... Re- you know, revised itself and coming forth or? Yes, yeah, so I think we, we, 
we're seeing the spend of like just let's just put corporate gifting in, in one big bucket like b2b gifting and that's gone up by billions over the past three years i think the estimated spend next year is going to go up by another th- three billion or something crazy globally so like we're seeing companies use it more and more and us alongside our competitors we've all grown exponentially over the past five years so it's it's on the rise i think it's really about how you use it it's it's, it's the bigger question it's not whether or not it's useful or or whether we should be doing it, it's it's really about how. I'm when I'm talking, you know, corporate gifting. I was thinking, you know, from that marketing perspective of giving somebody a gift for something. But there's that world of swag. Now, swag is much more. You've not really done much. You just happen to see me at a trade show, and so you're swiping off my stand. Really, how do these things work together? Do you do sort of swag as well in its traditional sense, or are they different? I put them all in one bucket, to be honest with you. Swag can be used really intelligently. I think it could be used so well for events, as, as we've seen. It could be great for your customer marketing. It can be great for your employees and, and, and your people, your partners. There's there's a lot of places for swag. The thing I see where, where it's done badly is where, let's say, you give swag to an SDR, for example, to do outreach, and it's got your logo all over it. And it doesn't really mean that much to the prospect. But if if you use it wisely and in the right senses, like the ones I just described, it can be really powerful. And so, give, have you ever seen a really good use of, of swag at an event, maybe? Actually, one, one that springs to mind, I saw one of our customers do recently. And actually, I remember meeting them about three years ago. And I was just wandering around this event. And they had this huge swag store. And I remember at the, at the, uh, the entrance to the event, I got given this like, ticket. Which I think it said something like, you can spend $100 at our swag store. So I went to the swag store and I said, how did you get all this stuff here? And they had lorry loads. It was like hoodies and chargers and everything under the sun. It was literally like a store. And actually what they've done is they've consolidated that now. And they were using swag really intelligently where all they bring with them now is this big wheel that they spin. And you can win, you can win whatever is on the wheel. It's like one of those wheels you spin as a little ticker. And based on what, where it lands, that then you, you scan a QR code and it gets sent to your home. But all of it's like sustainable. It's reusable. It's things that you would use in your everyday swag. To me, I think where companies get it wrong. So if I'm offending anyone here, they send like stress balls or things that just like people maybe don't really want. When you think about swag, think about things that perhaps you want to use every day. A couple of the three things I use constantly when I go traveling, I have like a wireless charger power bank. It goes on the back of my phone. I, I've used that for years. I use a, a bamboo sustainable thing that sits on my desk. It's also charged on my phone. I'm just charged on my phone. But I use things like really good Yeti mugs all the time. When I take my dog for a walk, I take it with me. Those are the things I think are important and, and can be valuable. I don't like the stress ball. <laughs> I think I made that fairly clear. <laughs> I do. Don't give Alex any stress balls. Everybody, he's stressed out about stress balls. <laughs> okay, so I agree with you. I think, you know, I've got a good example of something I got years ago that I still have. And it looks really sort of not great at the time, but it's a thing that you plug into your phone and it's a fan. And it's been really hot recently and I found it. And I'm like, oh, thank God, I can just sit there with my fan phone thing which like I say at the time of getting it I was like oh am I really ever going to use this it's now in my bag it's a permanent fixture in my bag love it but I think when you tap into those things we always talk about personalization about getting to know your audience what kinds of things they would like and then meeting them where they are but in terms of meeting them where they are you just mentioned about sending things to people's homes and sustainability now if you are bringing truckloads of swag to an event and people aren't really using it. I don't think that's so sustainable, but at least it was one shipment to one event. How are we mapping against, you know, sending loads of different things to different people's homes? Are we still seeing that as sustainable? What do you think? 
there are a couple of things about about sustainability. I think one is that how how far is something traveling? So I think before let's take that swag store example, they would they would literally drive stuff all around the place. It was it was really messy. It was just a lot of stuff they didn't need to take. The way I think about it now is send people things that they want. So if we're sending something to someone's home, for example, they you have to get their address. So if I want to send you something, I'd, I, I, would, I would obviously use Reach Desk. If they hey, I want to send you something, you'd click on it, you'd enter your address, and then you'd choose the thing that you want. That reduces wastage automatically. If I send you something you don't want, you just don't send it to yourself, or you would donate it to charity or the equipment value, something like that. So that automatically reduces wastage on items. It's a big thing that we've seen. So I think the sending to people's homes is, is big because people are only receiving things they want now. That's quite a big thing. The thing that I see that we don't love is sending stuff across borders. So the way we think about it is we try to localize everything. So we've got warehouses in the UK, in Europe, in Australia, in North America, in Canada, for example, local providers for our marketplace. We really try to limit the distance that things are being sent. That's what puts a significant carbon footprint. Also, you don't want stuff getting lost in customs. Because if you're running events and that kind of thing, because that's not nice. And so we're, we're trying to reduce things down by that localization strategy too. And those are the big things that we're seeing are working. Yeah, I particularly love, I mean, I love hearing what you just said about localization and local, you know, shipment. I laughed when you mentioned customs because I will share a little story with you and our listeners. So we went to a big old show back in May called IMEX. It happens in Frankfurt, the, the Europe version. And so we shipped a load of our swag from the UK. Poor us, we should have done something local. Like you just mentioned, we shipped it out. Thought, right, it's going to be amazing. We've got all this stuff. When did it get stuck, Alex? in customs <laughs> on the UK side. They didn't even make it to Germany. And we spent, you know, time in panic and upset. We're not going to have any swag. The stands didn't look really minimalistic. But here's what happened. People came to our stand. They said, we see you've got no swag. Well done for making that really good, <laughs> sustainable choice. And they were like, you kind of look like a, you know, like the genius bar, like you've really gone minimalistic. And I then had to go and do a session on sustainability. And I was like, do you know, it was an accident, but it's given me something to think about, about how we fulfill the needs of people when it comes to swag. Did we need to ship from the UK? Probably not. Could we QR code it, like you said, and then send it to people after the event and that way? Because that event, very Europe, like everyone comes together. So that would have meant that maybe if we either partnered with, with Reach Seth, because we should have, as you're already a partner, and said, look, we've got this trade show. How can we work together to make sure that people that come and visit us get something that they would like and is that the kind of consultation you would do with a client like ours if we'd have reached out to you what how do you work with customers your customers to help them figure out what to do firstly you, let's let's get you in touch with your account manager and speak to them because they, they've got more ideas than i have but yes like we help our customers all the time because we, we kind of obsess over this when we go to an event ourselves we think about that how do we take as few things as possible how do we ship people things to people's homes afterwards also, when you go to like a conference, you don't really want to carry a tote bag of stuff around all the time. And a lot of it gets, gets ditched, which is really sad to see. But yeah, well, think about like, what are your sustainability initiatives? Who do you want to be sending to? Do you want to be using that as like need or demand capture? So do you want to be taking someone's information? And that, that example of that wheel actually I gave, I'm, I'll just keep referring back to it. But actually the QR code, once you sent it, it then linked to Chili Piper, because we've got an integration with Chili Piper, then you can book a meeting as well. So it's not just like sending stuff to people, you're actually getting those prospects into your funnel too. And so you can think about those together. And so we wouldn't just consult with you about, hey, what do you want to send? We're trying to think about the workflow too. And what are you trying to achieve with that? Are you trying to just build brand awareness? Is that okay? Is it customer marketing? Is it you want to 
this event to like actually demand generation. You're trying to book more, more meetings. And that often is, is what changes the work zone and the approach. Yeah. I mean, as a marketer, I'm absolutely fueled by data, as I'm sure you are too. And I think we used to see events as a bit of a black hole, you know, you couldn't track them and whatnot. But companies like us, like C-Event, we're here to change that and make it much more, you know, data-focused, ROI-driven. So how do people, you know, utilize a company like yours who become more sort of track? Do you track how many things you're giving or, you know, what kind of data can you surface for people? Yeah, this is this was the first, I say, three years of reach desk is trying to solve this because we started by integrating the Salesforce. And what that did is allowed you to to attach a send and roll someone into a Salesforce campaign, for example, and then see what's happening there. What we realized was that was only visible from our customer side. And so we built a product called Reach Desk IQ, which essentially allows us to in, take in Salesforce data, look at those that that sending as well. Let's say you've got an account based trust and you've got these top twenty accounts and you're sending to them we'd be able to see, well, how many opportunities did that create? What are the things that were working? What's the optimum value, for example, of a gift? Let's say gift cards as an example. We did this with one of our customers who, I mean, they send thousands of gift cards a month. And we were testing everything from $5, $10, 15 20 as that just one single touch point before a meeting is booked. So someone would book a meeting, they'd then send them to Starbucks, for example. And we were trying to help them understand the optimum value of a gift card. And actually, we found it was $7. It wasn't 20 it wasn't 5 the one to like get people to attend meetings was $7. So we found that. And then Reach Desk IQ was really evolved out of that. So we were starting to look into more insights. We have an insights tab. And it can tell you what the ROI of your pipeline creation through gifting. And we're about to release something really exciting, actually, which is which is going to help marketers go from deeper. I'm not allowed to say what it is, but you are, you're, you're going to be able to really drill down and extract your existing models in so that you can say, I think I want to apply this to gifting. And here's what it's actually doing for us. And that's really getting us to the granular level of not just that what to send, what value, it's going to that when to send and, and what the impact of that is. And I think that's where we've reached today. And it's giving marketers one a lot more confidence that the spend that they're putting into this channel is really working and just not in a, not just in the silo, but like how is it complementing everything else we're doing? Fantastic. I'm very excited to hear when that's coming out. We'll probably uh, blog about it when we see it. I'm hoping it's Maybe something AI driven, everybody's talking about these days, but I love it. Shrug of a shoulder, great. <laughs> um, so I'm going to move into like the types of organizations that you work with. Is it is it just cross the board, absolutely every single type of business or, you know, what kinds of companies are coming to reach desk to work with you? Well, look, firstly, we, we work with just businesses. We're not consumer facing, but we started by really focusing on tech, software, SaaS. I think that's that was my background. A lot of our backgrounds where we started it. That was the problem that we were trying to solve ourselves as SaaS sales and marketers. Uh, but that started to evolve. We've seen much higher demand from some of the largest companies in the world that aren't B2B tech. And so we're starting to see more companies from manufacturing, logistics, services businesses starting to use this. And so that's really started to widen, which is which exciting. Because obviously, as marketers, we love our TAM and our ICP to grow and to diversify. And so we're starting to become a bit more agnostic in that sense. And there's, there's a lot more, much wider reach for press today. And is there a difference in how you work with those different types of industries? A difference in, you know, are you teaching them that they should be digitizing their gifting strategies or are they coming to you saying, look, this is something I need and I found you, you know, are you more educating the market? How's that going? Yeah. So we, we built a maturity model because we, we, we saw there was a, a big discrepancy between 
companies that are already doing it. They might have used a, an existing provider. I mean, our category is very early, so it's quite unlikely that was actually the least likely one. The two, the two common ones where one we've had to work hardest at is the first one being you've never done direct mail or gifting before. And you just need to understand like, how do I get stuff to people's homes? For example, it's like, I just want to be able to like send stuff. I want to get people, our own people, our customers and our prospects. I just want to get it to their homes. That was the big problem they wanted to fix because when COVID hit, obviously you can't send to people's offices anymore. So with us, you can send them to people wherever they are. And so that was a big one. But what we were saying is we have to like help them a lot, educate them on the tactics. Cause this is very strategic. It's not just, let's just do a big campaign and send everyone something. It's like there are what I call moments that matter. There are different touch points that work really, really well. So we, so we built this playbook so that you can identify you know, the challenges you have. It might be that we're booking those meetings, but they're not showing up. Or we can't get responses as high as we want. So we need to get that into our SDR outreach. Or deals are getting stuck. And we want to be able to solve that. Or customers who come on board, we want to be able to like reward them. Or like not necessarily incentivize them, but show them that we care. We want to be able to send them stuff. So we started to define these moments that matter and then give our customers a playbook. But that took a lot of ed- educating. I think that's where the market, particularly in, in Europe is right now. There's a lot of education. The US is a bit further ahead. And then you have customers on the other side who are, we're already doing it and we really, really, really understand the pain of doing it. Now we need to like scale it. And that's where you don't need to teach them about when to use it, those moments as much, but more they might be expanding globally and they need us to be able to do it in North America, in the UK, in Europe, maybe Australia too, and have one single provider to automate it, to allow you to manage all your budgets and then to be able to track everything. So those are the two that we, that we tend to see. One's like a lot of education, get you started. The others help you scale. Okay. And you mentioned, you know, pandemic there. Don't want to hark on about the pandemic, but did you see that kind of like uptick when everybody, you know, we were all disparate. We weren't in centralized offices anymore. And then following that, have you seen it remain that people are maybe gifting and rewarding staff that are still, you know, not quite where they were before? Yeah. Hey, look, firstly, it's very scary because for us, the name is on the tin, Reach Desk, right? We used to literally, we built it to send to people's offices and it would land on your desk and there'd be a follow-up strategy. And then everyone started working at home and we were like, what are we going to do about this? From within about a week, we built address confirmation. Um, but there was a bit of skepticism there. Do we want to be sending stuff to people's homes? How would that be perceived? And lo- thankfully, we had all of our customers were like, hey, let's, let's give it a go. And it worked unbelievably well. They were like mind blown. So the early adopters there were the ones that really benefited. But since then, it's just grown and grown. We're seeing send volumes go up and up and up. So there are a couple of reasons for that. One, I think the, the digital fatigue is still there. We're trying to do more. Particularly when we're under pressure, that's what we do as marketers. We try and do more. We serve more ads, send more emails. Typically, is the thing that we get drawn into. And so, having a, a physical touch point within your ABM, your demand gen strategy, for example, can be hugely beneficial because it's proven to really enhance response rates. But you mentioned people as well. We saw over half our customers were sending to their own people. Well, like, hey, what's going on? And they were like, yeah, we're onboarding new, new starters, anniversaries, birthdays, like big moments, like they get married. And we want to be able to use it for that, but it's so painful for us to do. So we actually built a reach desk for people, which integrates into your HRIF. So you can start to automate these things. When you, when someone signs their offer letter, for example, it sends them you like a welcome pack with the letter from the CEO. And they can just, before that was a whole team doing that. Now it's just, it happens in the background. So the people side of things, I think it's really exciting. 
because you, you can get very deep in terms of what you're doing because you're making very, you can talk to your values, you can talk to them as an individual. Hey, I know you're getting married, so I'm going to send you this. The people side of things is also very exciting. So now we're, we're working with go-to-market teams as well as people teams. Right, so cool. Yeah, you've given me a lot of food for thought in terms of our own internal business. And then I guess, finally, I'll touch on the international sort of nature of Reach Desk. Are you, how is that working? You know, gifting, I think, is always challenging. I think I, early on in my marketing career, you know, we were being asked, what are we going to send out for clients at Christmas? And inevitably, because we are British-based, and I've always been in Britain, and, you know, we'd send a bottle of wine, and it was just so, it was such a standard and kind of lazy thing to do to send some decent alcohol. Whereas, you know, now there's a difference in, you know, what people will accept actually as gifts and what they can have. And if you're working in Dubai or somewhere, is it, you know, you're not really going to send champagne necessarily. So how does that work? Do you have the same kind of international reach for reach desk where people can choose locally and things that would work for them across, it doesn't matter where they are? Yeah, of course. We, we built this, um, this huge marketplace when we realized at the very beginning. Because we, I think we were born in London and then we actually aged in the US almost immediately after, like within six months. Everyone thought I was mad. Like, You're going to move the company to the US immediately? I was like, well, we, we need to serve global companies. And so we wanted to be the market leader there. So we built this marketplace, which was localized. You know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of options in the UK, same for France, for Germany. Because I think we understood the cultural differences, particularly within Europe, but easier in the US actually. State by state doesn't vary massively, but you send someone a bottle of wine in Spain. Or more importantly, in France, and it's not French wine, you might <laughs> it might actually like impact the, um, the the perception they have of you. And so, what we did is we we said, well, look, let's allow people to send locally. You can choose the item. Let's say I know you you like wine. You just mentioned it, but let's say you don't. I've got lots of wine. Actually, I fancy something else. You can choose, and so you just enter the country and you can see all the options for that country you're in. And you can choose something. I have chocolates. I want flowers. I want something completely different, or I want to be able to donate it to charity. So giving people the choice, I think, is what's been really important. So we enable you to send locally, to choose locally. And that, again, it reduces that wastage. It gives people the chance to choose what they want. And at the end of the day, if they don't want anything, they can just donate it to a good cause. And so everyone wins. Brilliant. I think, um, you know, takeaways for me from listening to you would be, you know, I, I'm a marketer at heart, like I say, but I do run events now. I work for what of, you know, large event tech companies in the world. And so we get to run lots and lots of events. And I know lots of people listening are event planners, you know, at their core. And I think when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking there's, there are these perfect partnerships that perform, you know, between you and an organization and internally within that organization's marketing team and event team. So they are working literally hand in hand with their sales teams who all have access to the similar tools and can kind of, you know, collaborate and ensure that, yeah, maybe they don't pick up the swag on the day at the event, but there's something that triggers for you know, sales and marketing to work together to ensure that the right people are getting the right swag at the right time on those, what do you call them, memorable moments? Moments that matter. Moments that matter. I'm gonna, it does matter. And I just think that that kind of, um, you know, those partnerships are super, super important and the visibility of it rather than, I know historically the event team has typically gone out and just done their event and they've provided what they need to provide and that's that and the marketing team does something else for you know Christmas time the sales team are asking can I buy my guy a box of chocolates you know so it's all just been very disconnected and maybe working with a company like yours helps to join it back up together we've seen this time time again it's amazing I remember one of our first customers I said why why did you buy reach desk I asked them afterwards and said 
because we were so sick of sales asking you to send stuff all the time. I was like, well, so what would it mean if, like, now you've got this? And they said, we were already working together. Marketing and sales were getting really creative on campaigns. So saying that we've got these top 20 prospects. Let's divide, like, we think we should do this, but sales, we want your buy-in. And they were starting to work together. And so marketing was starting, this is one of our first evolutions to the product is marketing were able to set budgets, give options to sales. And then sales would actually do the sending, but they'd send personalized notes or they'd engrave the prospect's logo and name on the bottle of gin that they're sending, for example. And so we saw this weird sort of unintentional consequence of bringing these teams together of better sales and marketing alignment. And people love it because you get very creative. So we, we've seen that a lot and it's, and it's grown and grown. I think companies that can embrace that in general all the time, they're the ones that are going to win. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Alex. I'm just going to ask you, are there any links or resources that we could share with our listeners, places people could go? Yes. One thing we've actually, this brings to mind that we've, we've launched recently. So I, I try and keep our team on the cutting edge of what's going on in the world of B2B sales and marketing. And so we, we try a lot of things. If someone doesn't work, so it does work. So we released a thing recently called Reach Desk Unwrapped, which is all those things, the trials and tribulations, let's say. All things we've tried, things that work, that don't work. We're kind of unwrapping everything that we've seen and sharing it with like things like how to hire great salespeople, how to run a really great event, how to get started with account-based marketing, not just about gifting, but about sort of go-to-market in general. So if you go to reachdesk.com, go into resources, I think it's all in there, at Reach Desk Unwrapped. And so we're starting to share everything that we've seen, which... I just saw it was like a, a big request because a lot of our customers are asking us, how do I personalize SDR outreach? How do I nail my virtual event, for example? So we tested it and we, we decided to share it. So that's quite a valuable resource for people. Well, that's brilliant. We're definitely going to drop that into our webpage when we get this posted up so that people can go there and take a look. And just sharing that information, I think, is super helpful. We know that lots of events, People value roundtables where they can share what worked, what hasn't worked. So that's a really lovely resource for you to share with our listeners. So on that note, I'd like to say thank you very much, Alex, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. I've learned a lot. Got lots of talking to my account manager to do. Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us. If you do have additional things to share with us or questions, send us a DM on LinkedIn or send us a note at greatevents at cevent.com. And thanks for tuning into Great Events today. See you next time.